today's message, okay, uh, is, is about being touched by the love of the Father. I mean, there, there, is, there, is, no greater, there is no greater thing that you can have, uh, you know, in your experience with God than being touched by his love and just, just having, having to know him on a different level. In fact, one of the most important things um, in terms of our relationship, you know, with the Lord is how, how we see him, how we feel about him, okay? But even more important, okay, is how the Lord feels about us. And along those lines, how do we think God feels about us? You know, so often, you know, it's like we're playing from behind. You know, we think, um, man, I'm just not doing enough. Or, you know, we know that we're not where we need to be. It's like, I know for me, it happens to me, I look in the mirror and it's like, it's like mirror, mirror on the wall. You know, who's the biggest compromiser of all? That would be you. You know, or here's another day where I'm going to fall short of the glory of God. You know, there's, there's these, these things, these little voices in our heads that, that try to keep us and separate us from the love of God. And it's, that's why when we were singing that song, there's no lie he won't tear down, okay, coming after us. And one of the lies is that when we fail, when we mess up, when we're in sin, that we can't come before the Father, that somehow he's not happy with us. He's happy with us, okay, when we're doing good. He's not happy with us when we're having a bad week. That is impossible. We sang the other song that he's perfect in love, that his love for Jesus, okay, and you guys will believe this, seriously, his love for Jesus doesn't change. It's perfect. He can't love Jesus more uh, in eternity past than he does now. It's perfect. It's unchanging, right? Everybody agrees with that. Okay, now let's transfer that to you. He says his love for you is perfect. So, does his love for you change? I mean, is somehow God's love imperfect because when you're doing bad, you know, he doesn't love you as much? Okay, there's a little cognitive dissonance here because, you know, we feel that though, don't we? If we had a bad week, you know, plus the enemy throws in these little lines like, hey, when was the last time you were in the Word? You have been in the Word in a week. You know, you haven't, you haven't prayed or, or, or come before me to intercede for your family, and I can't remember when you, you know, you are not making God happy. He is not happy with you. But the fact is, the fact is that the Lord delights in us, and he delights in us even to show mercy. So get this. I, I ran across this, uh, this scripture, uh, and it's in, it's in Micah, and let's see. Yeah, Micah, Micah 7, 8. I've got to get my, my glasses here. And it says this, Who is like you, O God, who pardons sin and the transgressions of the remnant of your inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. So when we, we come before him, get that. He delights to show mercy. Okay, delight. Okay, one of his favorite things to do. I delight in having a great sandwich. You know, I delight in going to a, a, a cool game, hanging out with my friends, maybe even having a, 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 a beer with, with somebody and having great conversation. I delight in those things. Well, get this. The Lord delights when you come to him when you're in a bad place. That is, that is joy to him. That is joy to him. So, again, what I want to talk about is being touched by the love of the Father. Okay? And today... It has to start with me. You know, what happened, and I'm going to share my testimony, and I haven't shared this maybe, maybe since my baptism, the whole thing. don't even know how I'm going to share it because there's a lot to it. But, you know, I was literally transformed, changed, you know, whatever. I, I grew up, uh, I'm a firstborn. Do we have any firstborns, you know, here? 
Now, firstborns tend to be somewhat compliant. Uh, you know, our parents look at us and we're moving in the right direction, whereas the middle child is more defiant, right? We're more compliant, and if we're doing well and we do good, we know our parents love us. It's sort of a, a trained thing that we have, and, and that was me in spades growing up. And I felt, hey, as long as I'm doing good, I'm loved, and that transferred to my family and ultimately in my relationship with the Lord. I was saved uh, probably when I was like 8, 9, 10 years old. You know, I, I prayed the prayer, did not have a doubt in my mind, was in faith, okay, with, with Lord Jesus and walked with him through high school. But then something happened, okay, called a fraternity, okay, at Albion College. And this fraternity was very adept at drinking beer, dancing, uh, having really amazing, you know, fun. I met a lot of great guys, and from about maybe age 19, 20 to age 32, even though I knew the Lord, I got really, really good at having a lot of fun. Um, you know, in the meantime, uh, you know, I, I got married when I was 24. Um, we had our first son at age nine, uh, in 1990 uh, when I was 30 years old. And it, it, was, it was interesting, and I noticed this. Um, I, was, I hadn't been walking with the Lord during that season. Um, but I remember when my son was born, it was very exciting. And it was interesting seeing Brandon and Jessica Gurney here last week. And Brandon, as a father, what a tender heart, you know, he had. But I'll tell you, as whatever, as much of a nice guy, compliant guy that I was, when my son was born, I was happy, but I, I couldn't feel the emotion. It was like, and I don't know if this is guys, or, and it's also, you know, women, but there was this emotional thing where I can't cry. I want to cry tears of joy. I just can't do it. It's like the only emotions that I had were, um, I don't know, you know, laughing and, you know, in, let's say, uh, you know, intimacy with my wife. Uh, it just, that's, that's really it. It was very one-dimensional. Well, things went on, and, you know, for anybody here who's a young parent, when you have kids, when you have one, it changes your life. When you have two, things get a little crazy. If you have more than that, I don't know how you do it, personally. But, um, uh, I don't know. I, I had really struggled from 24, but... 24 to 28, 30, 31, I was starting to hit it. So, so get this, it's 19, uh, 1990, so uh, 92, maybe 27 years ago, uh, maybe 40 pounds ago, uh, I was working in the ad business, okay? I had two kids, was married, you know, things looked real successful, okay? Um, but it was like uh, Charles Dickens, it was the best of times, the worst of times. So on the outside, everything was doing good. I was, I was in the ad business, probably you know, making $100,000, self-employed. I mean, I, I had it. I had, I had the game playing basketball in good shape. But um, you know, in my marriage, it just, I don't know. Uh, I was doing everything. You know, it's the quid pro quo. If I do this, if I'm a good guy, if I'm a nice guy, if I make money, then you, we're going to have intimacy and we're going to have closeness. But it just wasn't happening. And I'm like, well, this isn't fair. So here's this nice guy getting all angry and resentful. And, you know, I remember I would lay in bed, okay, and would just be, I can't talk. You know, I can't talk. I, you know, I'm not listening to. And I'm not, let me just say this, I'm not blaming, you know, my wife, okay. <laughs> it, it was me. But I was just in this place. So as things had it, um, uh, we're working business. And my brother, Cree, who is better at having fun than I am, um, we had a situation where uh, my wife was taking the kids up to her sister's for the weekend. So me and my brother Cree were going to go out and have a few beers and, and just have fun because we were great at it. And we loved being with each other. And by the way, my wife didn't like my brother, so I didn't get to spend much time with him. So, man, we were on for Friday night. We're going up to a place called the Elephant Bar, if anybody remembers that. Okay, well, the Lord will forgive you for that. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> 
So we go up to the, the elephant bar, and we were meeting somebody that we worked with, uh, an associate, uh, you know, female. And um, I get there, and she got there, and we're just hanging out and waiting for my brother Cree, who was the life of the party, to get there. And this is so weird. Okay, my brother didn't show. Now, that is, he shows up for every beer crawl, party, fun, let alone time with his brother. Something happened. He just he goes, I don't know what happened to you. I just, boom, I just zonked. I was tired. I'm like, okay, well, the epilogue, I'll, I know what happened. So anyway, so I end up hanging out with this gal. And we're having some beers. We're having fun. We go to another place. Uh, we're trying to call Cree. No answer. But at the end of the evening, and this is where my life changed, um, you know, I made a really dumb decision, okay, is we just started making out, you know. So I, here I you get this. I'm married, okay. I have two kids, you know. Everything's going great. And what am I doing? My wife's away with the kids, and what am I doing? Okay, I'm making out with somebody, you know. But out of my brokenness, that's what I did. And I remember driving home. It wasn't sexual. Thank God it wasn't sexual. But at the same time, I, I'm driving home. I'm like, what are you doing? What is going on? And I just... It was like a wake-up call inside of me that something is really wrong with you. This is not who you are. So for the next, I don't know, two or three months, there's this wrestling match going on uh, between my desire to do what's right, okay, and, you know, be a father, be a husband, okay, and then this, this you know, craving for uh, just fellowship, just somebody to listen and talk to you. And so it was like over here, over here. Nothing went, you know, over the edge. I'm just going to say that. But sometimes, let me just say this, you can have an affair with somebody without having an affair with somebody. And that's exactly where I was. And I was sinning against my wife. But I would be pulled one day here, one day there. I'm just in a dark place. And at a certain point, I said, I got I to gotta do something. Okay, I got to go to church. I got to get back. Because it had been about 12 years. So, um, a friend of mine from Xenos was giving me some Xenos tapes, and I was starting to listen, and there was this battle for my soul going on. And um, eventually, uh, I go up to a, this church, and it was a vineyard church, and it was over on Laner Road, it was, which is now the Cooper Road Vineyard, you know, the big Six Flags Over Jesus giant vineyard. But it was in a small church uh, at that time. So this is the weirdest thing, okay? And, you know, we were singing that song that there's no mountain he won't climb up, okay, coming after you. So I'm thinking, this is all me. I'm going after God. <laughs> so I go to this church, and I sit down, and then next to me is somebody who I went to college with, which is no big deal unless you went to college five hours away in Michigan, okay? She happens to be at this little mini church, and it was a real small church. I had two clients here. I had one in front of me, and then I had another one in back of me. And I'm like, I'm literally saying this. I am surrounded. God has me surrounded. He's got my number. He knows what's going on, you know? So I figured, I don't know. There's just something happening here. So again, time goes on, and there's this, you know, the wrestle and the struggle, but I said, I got to keep going. So I, I, went, I went to the vineyard. They had actually, it was right around the time they moved into their big church. And I, I walk in, and again, mind you, I am a cold, dark, self-centered, selfish, advertising guy who was at a pretty good date weight, okay? And I'm there, okay, but God is doing something. I hear these songs, these vineyard songs, and maybe this has happened to you, but I just start, like, tearing up. And I'm a dude, okay? You don't do that, in, and especially in church. In my Baptist evangel evangelical fundamentalist background, my dad would complain about guys that would cry when they got saved. You know, they should, just shouldn't be doing that, you know? So... So that was not in my, my realm, but I'm just sitting there, and I'm just like almost ready to burst out of tears. So I go, and that happens. I go back the next week. 
And the same thing, these love songs that somehow God loves you. But on the inside, I'm fighting. It's like, you can't love me. Look at me. I am, look at look how disgusting I am, okay? I am, I am like, I am cheating. I'm not being a good husband. I'm just, I was willing to throw this stuff away. How could you love me? Second week, the same thing happens. So I go back a third week, and it's even stronger. And I'm, I, I have no idea what Rich Nathan said. I have no idea of any of those messages. All I knew is when I was in that building and when the, the worship was happening and I was, you know, just singing along, something was going on, you know, in my heart. So, um, so after that, I drive home. I'm driving. And um, I don't know, it was so heavy, I just burst out in tears. I mean, just burst out and said, I am sorry. I am so sorry. And I just, I wept from Westerville almost all the way to Delaware. But while this is going on, and I have no place to put this, like this, these transactions, and I have no place other than when, uh, uh, but, you know, hearing from God or hearing God's voices. I have no place to put this, you know, other than when, um, what's his name, uh, uh, the evangelist was locked in the tower. Uh, what was his name? Um, the Oral Roberts was locked in the tower, and my dad said, well, some people have a close walk with God, and they hear from God. Well, I literally, literally heard from God. There was this instantaneous download that says, you're home. You're home. And I was like, oh. I mean, I was home. You know, it's, I love you. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm never leaving. I am here. And then, and then the Lord says this. He says, oh, and by the way, you're not as good a husband as you think you are. Because <laughs> in my self-righteousness, I thought, oh, I'm not. I'm terrible. I'm the worst. And I just, I just cried and just wept. But something happened in my heart where this baptism of the Father's love just overwhelmed me. And I, I became like a new person. I went home, and um, I had told my wife, I said, God, I've been a crappy husband. I just haven't been helping with the kids, and I've been self-centered. And, and from that point on, I mean, I wasn't receiving love, let me put it that way, but I had absolutely no problem giving it because I was getting it. And let me just say this, when you are receiving love, when you've been loved by the Father, when you receive that, it's a heck of a lot easier to love other people. And, th and there's something there. There's just, there's just something different. I was just like changed and transformed. Everything just started changing and I was loving and caring and, and I would find myself watching things and tearing up and starting to weep like a little girl and I'm like, I don't know whether I like this but I like the fact that I'm actually feeling something again. You know, and that's what God does is he tenderizes your heart. He does this thing. So the next week, I, I went back uh, to the vineyard and afterwards they had a little pastor's deal and, I, and Rich Nathan was there. And I had a theological question because it's like, okay, was I with the Lord when I was like nine and ten years old and through that season, okay? Um, was I saved? Was I going to heaven? Was I going to hell? So I asked Rich Nathan, was I saved then or was I saved now? And, uh, and Rich said, um, well, the important thing is that you know where you're at right now. Just kind of like one of those wise sensei kind of things to say when maybe you don't have the answer. But it was true. So I really, up until recently, I, I haven't had the answer. But in studying this, okay, I found out that there is um, an activity of the Holy Spirit, okay, that is, that is unique, but it's one of the primary activities of the Holy Spirit, and I think I have an answer to my question. So anybody theologically wondering about this, okay, I think I have an answer. 
Um, you've heard of like, uh, you know, the, the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, you know. With the Holy Spirit, who's this mysterious, um, you know, being of the tr- Trinity, we don't know a lot about him, but he's revealed as he's the spirit of revelation. Sometimes, you know, you're opening scripture and all of a sudden, whoa, that scripture pops out. That's a work of the Holy Spirit operating in revelation. The Holy Spirit in scripture is defined a lot of times by what he does. Not like the Wizard of Oz who, you know, for all the wonderful things he does, but it's kind of like that, okay? So he's the spirit of revelation. But on Jesus, it said, rested upon him was the spirit of might, which is strength, which is power, which is an understanding on what to do in the right situation. Or a spirit of wisdom. That's another way that the Holy Spirit operates, with wisdom. There's another spirit, which is probably the... um, number one spirit that the Holy Spirit operates in, it's called the spirit of adoption, okay? And the spirit of adoption is the revelation of the fact that you were created to have a relationship, a deep, intimate relationship where you are loved and you are accepted, you are not rejected, you are just all on, the Father loves you with all of his heart, just as we've been singing today. And it's called the spirit of adoption. So get this, this is what the, what the scripture says found my glasses right here. It, it says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption when we cry, Abba, Father. So the Lord put this thing in us that, that it's, it's already there, but he wants us to cry out, Dad. We want that relationship, okay, with our creator that is I mean, just like the word says, just like we sing, all accepting that no matter what we are, even that he delights in showing us mercy. He delights in coming there when we've done wrong. He, it pleasures him. And I'm going to tell you a story. You know, my son, okay, who is like uh, 29 right now, you know, very successful. He's an all-state baseball player. He's done amazing things to make me proud. But one of the proudest things that, that I have in with the history of my son was one time he's out playing ball, and he... Uh, throws the ball up against the house, then he throws the ball through the window. Well, he comes running in, and he says, he's crying, he says, Dad, I just broke the window, I just broke the window. It just melted my heart that he would trust me enough, love me enough to know that he can say, you know, I just didn't win a ball game, I didn't do something good, I just did something bad. But he came to me and trusted me enough to tell me that. And I'm like, don't worry, Zach, it's no problem, this is great, it just... You know, it just brings tears to you. You know, it just, wow, what, a, what an amazing thing. So if me, being an earthly, as I've demonstrated, um, <laughs> bad guy, okay, can feel that, okay, for my earthly son, how much more does the Father in heaven just absolutely delight when we come to him when we've screwed up, when we've had a bad week, we've spent money, we've done the wrong things, we've looked at the wrong things, we've done all these things. But it's that, it's that shame that just keeps us away. It's that lie from the devil that says, you know, he, he's not happy with you right now. You had a bad week. No, absolutely not. This is one of his favorite things. One of my favorite things in my mere, you know, 59 years was that. So if I delight in how much more does the Father delight in that? So that's, that, you know, that's, that's the message. Now, get this. Theologically, um, have you ever heard Billy Graham, when Billy Graham was preaching evangelistically, he would say that there is a God-shaped hole, you know, in our heart. Have, have you guys have heard that? C.S. Lewis wrote about this exact same thing. But 
get this, and this is, a, this is a deep understanding, but you need to get it, is that we were created, when we were walking in the garden, you know, as Adam with, uh, w- with the Lord, there was a component of our soul to relate to him with nonverbal communication, with intimacy. There was a oneness. There was just a oneness. We were built for that communion, that oneness. And then all of a sudden with the fall, something left. And guess what that's called? It's called the God-shaped hole in our spirit. You see, that makes sense. We were designed for that. So inside of us is this core longing to be back at that place, back at that place where we are known, fully known, I mean, fully loved, fully accepted, fully, I mean, the Lord is just delighted to hang out with us and say, hey, I got a bunch of animals. Why don't you name them? And I was like, yes, I will. And he does. I mean, there was just, it was just joy. We were built, okay, for his enjoyment. But a lot of times our the way we think is not like that. We weren't built for his enjoyment. We're built to, to be good, to love the Lord with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. It's like, ugh, that just makes me weary thinking. Trust me, if you're being loved by God, that is not an issue, okay? You've got to be loved to give love. But the point is, the point of this whole thing is that, that, that we were built for this intimacy. And that little hole in our heart, God desires to fill. And we try to fill it with other things. I mean, uh, you know, we try to fill it with uh, our career, our success, you know, with a really good relationship and marriage, friendship, um, making money. You know, pick the desire of your heart. We try to fill it with it. But ultimately, you know, you can't fill a God-sized hole with, you know, earthly things. You just can't. So it, it, it's, all about, it's all about God. It's all about God doing it. And I, can, I think I can prove um, just how he feels about us. Uh, you know, just, just from Scripture. Now, you've heard this, okay? You, you've all heard of the, um, the prodigal father story, and I'm not going to tell the, the whole thing, the prodigal son story. And we focus on two things usually, the, right, the bad son, okay, who's in the pig pen and comes home, and we f- focus on the older brother who's real self-righteous and kind of bummed out. But consider this, consider the father, okay, is that something made him jump out of every societal norm because they did not, when his son is coming up over the hill, Okay, and he sees him. He sees that gate that he knows. Something inside of him just went off, and he just threw caution to the wind. In fact, I might even call it reckless love, okay? is he just starts going after his son. He just, you know, grab the fatted calf, put the robe on him, give him his signatory ring so he has half the business again. He just is going nuts, and he runs to his son, you know, full on. So my question, consider this. My question is this, what would make a father do that? Do everything that's against the law. I mean, it was scandalous. When he shared that story, it was scandalous to to all of the the patriarchs there because you just don't do that. You make the person grovel and crawl who's been in the pig pen. It's not what he's like. He delights in that. There was a delight in doing that. And I I would say, and I've not (laughs) heard anybody say this, but in the same way that we have a God-shaped hole here, God has for you in his heart an Anna-shaped hole, a John-shaped hole, you know, a a hole with all of our names on. And when we're not there with him, there is is just a pain. In in fact, he's called the long-suffering God, that he suffered while his son was away. His family was not complete, and he he was looking for that day when he came. So get this. So if if that's how we feel, there's, there's a U-shaped hole in God's heart that he wants you there. 
I'm, I'm going um, to close with, with, with this. Um, I was asking the Lord because, you know, we can talk about it, but I, I really think that, that these kind of things are, they're not experienced intellectually a lot of times. They're experienced when your heart gets overwhelmed. Sometimes it's in worship, sometimes it's in different things. So um, what I do sometimes is uh, to hear the Lord's voice, I'll just ask him a question. It's really pretty sophisticated. <laughs> you know, I'll say, like, okay, here's my question to the Lord. I said, Lord, if I were going to help folks to connect with you and make contact in an intimate way, um, you know, what should I say? What should I tell them? Now, this is, this is some spiritual technology, which I like to talk about, too, is that it says that the Holy Spirit moves in us and flo- you know, as a flow. It says that out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So one of the ways that we can hear God's voice is when we allow that spirit to flow. A lot of times it's when we're worshiping. Sometimes these words drop in or these thoughts and feelings drop in, and they just flow naturally. They're not manufactured or created robotically out of our, uh, you know, our left brain. Uh, so I asked that question, and this is, this is what I felt the Lord was saying to me. Uh, so if you're going to help the folks connect with you and make contact, what should I say? Well, how do you make contact with me, Jay? You seek me out when you're studying, when you're worshiping, when you're praying. These are the three places I always am. As I said in Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. While I do choose to hide certain things or make people seek out certain revelations when it comes to fellowship, but when it comes to fellowship, conversations, interaction, I am ever-present, as you learned this week. Always glad when my sons and my daughters choose to visit and want to talk with me. I think that point of being glad to see you is important, that I am pleased when people engage me. I am smiling on the inside. I'm glad. Again, as it says in Scripture, I am anointed with an oil of gladness. The gladness is for my people to receive me and know that I am happy and looking forward to that fellowship. And that's one of the things about God that sometimes we forget, that there's a gladness. You know, it's like when you go over to see somebody, the people you like to see are, are people that are glad to see you. Come on in. This is great. I'm so glad you're here. But oftentimes we come before the Lord with a, you know, with a hangdog head, and he is so not happy with me. No, he, he's the one that delights in showing mercy. That's one of his favorite things to do. So when, he's just glad you came. But get this. Jesus was filled with the oil of gladness. Now, sometimes there's a theological issue. Are you talking about Jesus or the Father? Well, Jesus said this, I and the Father are one. You know, Philip said, yeah, just show us the Father. Everything will be okay. And Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. So as I was doing the study on the Father, it was as much about the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the way they interacted as anything else. But, but, but the game is this, is that, that the Father, he just loves us, and he wants to be with us, and he wants to speak to us, and that we can connect with him. So... I thought I would do a, a little experiment here as we, as we close. Um, okay, what if, okay, what if we did this thing that I do, okay, where we ask the Lord a question? Since, we, since the, the spirit of adoption is already in this room right now, God is calling you as sons and daughters. He wants to go deeper with you as sons and daughters. Okay, what if we asked a question to the Lord and said, God, tell me something, you know? So you can ask the Lord a question. And what we're going to do is we're just going to have a moment of silence. And this is what I want you to do. If you have a pen and paper, you can use that. Okay, if you have a little text, you can text it. Or you can just allow the word to come to you. But I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak a word to you, not as a servant, not as a slave, but as a son and a daughter. Okay, 
And this is how you do that. The Lord works through your flow. He works through your holy imagination. So begin, sort of start the engine by saying these words, my son, this is what I will tell you today. And then what I want you to do is just let, that, let, it, let it flow. Whatever comes to your mind. Don't, don't take your left brain and start editing it. But whatever comes to your mind, just, just flow with, okay? Again, this is an exercise. There's no right or wrong answer. But, but let's do this. Um, so I'm going to pray. And it, whenever you feel ready, you can do this. If you want to write down what he says, or maybe you just get a word, an encouraging word. But let's, let's do this. Um, Lord, I know <laughs> we come here for you to speak with us. They don't want to hear me. They want to hear you. So, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to quicken our minds to flow, to flow out of our innermost being, Lord, the words that you want to speak, the affectionate words you want to speak to your sons and daughters. And we just release that right now. So just go ahead and just start in your mind with that, that sentence. My son, this is what I will tell you today. My daughter, this is what I want you to know today. Just let this flow. Jesus. You just listen until the flow stops. The flow might be one word. But the flow might just keep going. I love you. I'm so glad you came. Jesus. Hey, can, can I have the worship team come up right now? You know, the, the, the win for today is connecting with God, knowing that God wants to connect with you. Uh, so um, we're going to close like this. We're going to sing that song, you know, Reckless Love, uh, just one more time. And I'm just going to encourage you, just uh, if you stand up, if you want to come down here into this altar area as an act of faith and just say, Lord, I want to connect with you. I want you to, to find me. I want you to just come after me in a new way. You know, in that baptism of love, that spirit of adoption. You know, I, I know I, I know you, I'm saved, but I, I know that there's more. I know that there's more there. And I want to understand how deep your love is for me. So you can come up here, you can do whatever you, whatever you want to do. Um, I'm going to say one, one other thing. Did, did somebody have a word that the Lord shared with them that you might want to share with, with the church when we had that little exercise? Is there anything, it might be too intimate or too personal, but... prayer that John asked me to pray for him years ago that he would love God more and love others more and I realized that there's people in my life that I don't love very well so I asked the Lord to help me learn to love them with the love of Christ and um, that was a couple weeks ago I shared that with John and the last two weeks 
when I say all hell has broke loose in my life, there are people here that know what I'm talking about. And um, I was the victim of, uh, they call it aerial flooding up in Richwood. It's not streets, streams and creeks that overflow, but it's just from deluges, monsoon-type rains. And three different times, it was we were battling to keep the water out of my garage where an apartment is where my daughter and my granddaughter live. And if that wasn't enough, um, through a work situation, I do the hiring for Frank Slavic's Three Tim Hortons restaurants. Um, we thought the perfect candidate had come who was indeed what we thought and answered a prayer that Frank and I had been praying. And uh, I can't really go into uh, all of that, but let me just say the police are involved now. Three different police jurisdictions are, are watching my back right now. Um, so, having said all that, in the meantime, the Lord is just making encounters for me everywhere where I, they'll say something to me and I get to talk about Jesus. I mean, this has never happened before. And people in my family and my external relationships who had kept me at a distance all of a sudden are opening their hearts to me. And at the same time, in some difficult relationships, I've been able to stand up and say um, to myself, of course, if I'm to love you, I have to love myself. And there's certain behaviors that are not okay. And I'm not going to live like this anymore. So we have the good, the bad, and the ugly all at once. And um, it's, it's pretty scary when you know you have three police jur jurisdictions watching out for your back. And so um, it makes you ponder. I have concealed carry, so I've brushed up on those skills. And uh, Kathy Leib sent me a a song this week. It's Defender by Rita Springer. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it basically says, um, all I need to do is show up. Um, all I need to do is worship. All I need to do is pray. And I listened to that three times on the way in here this morning. And, and still, my, I'm pretty rattled by everything that's going on. And um, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, shaking is <laughs> so cool. It's nice to shake from the <laughs> presence of the Holy Spirit in, instead of thinking about the worst that can happen to you. He said, I really am your defender. And of course, the words of that song came back. And he said, you can go about your business. And then he said, you can go about the Father's business. And I said, I'm so wounded. And he said, you will be fine. And you have to know what fine means to me in relationship with a lot of people who like to deny that everything and say that everything's fine. 
and it, there's an acronym, and I won't use it in all its grotesqueness, but it basically says the acronym for fouled up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. And I've been getting a lot of fines. You're fine. You'll be fine this week. And part of it is they can't even grasp that somebody could be in the danger that I have been in or could still be in because we don't know what this person is capable of. And so when the Lord took that word that has just been like fingernails on a chalkboard this mm -hmm. week because I've tried to get people to understand what I've been through, for him to say, you'll be fine, it was like water on a very parched and dry soul. And so maybe there's some of you out there today, right, Jason? Absolutely. Who um, this fast has stirred the pot, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe. Maybe it's you too. Or maybe um, the Lord is just opening up doorways during the fast, right? Mm -hmm. But wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want the Lord to be able to speak to you today that you're going to be fine because he loves you. That's right. Right? You're adopted. Right? Amen. Anything to add? I'll, I'll add it. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. Right. Very good. Well, let, let's just worship the Lord. And, um, you know, as you, as you sing, um, you're dismissed afterwards. Uh, you're dismissed even uh, during... But I just want to encourage you. Just let's spend some time with the Lord. Let's get a let's get a good word from the Father as we're as we're engaging together. So let's do this. Go. Mm -hmm.